So up next on the You Ain't Enough Yet podcast, we have a very talented gentleman indeed. In fact, he has so much talent that I and Sean, who unfortunately isn't here, were hoping that during this interview, some of the talent was actually going to rub off on us. Now, I was lucky enough to meet this man a number of years ago in Belfast. Um, and you're probably asking, Jack, why the fuck are you only getting him on now? Well, he's a very talented actor who has worked with Hollywood royalty. He's a writer and musician and seemingly an all-around good guy and a huge Leeds fan as well, I think. Although I know fuck all about football, so we're not going to be really talking about that. He's been seen in plays such as Good Vibrations, several films, which we will all discuss later, and has a new single out as well called All I Need. Niall, how the hell are you? How you doing, mate? You all right? <laughs> very well. I'm very well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm all right. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm a little bit hungover. Um, yeah. I mean, that I, makes two of us. Yeah, I'm really annoyed at myself because I had a free evening last night and... and uh, and I was like, right, what I'll do is, is I'll, 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 I was like, I'll just go home and I'll just do nothing and yeah. I'll get to sleep as early as possible. Tomorrow morning's going to be a brilliant day. <laughs> I'm going to go to the gym, all this sort of stuff. And I just bumped into the wrong guy and just, <laughs> or the I, right guy at the time. Yeah, yeah. And it was brilliant. It was so, so brilliant for six points. And then I started to go, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> like, what's going on here? <laughs> it's a Tuesday, for God's sake. You know, um, but other than that, I'm okay. I'm fine. I mean, yeah. I know that feeling all too well, because that is, um, I think, um, and before I actually asked any serious questions, I don't know, uh, you probably can't remember meeting me, but I can vaguely remember meeting you outside, uh, it wasn't Kelly Sellers, what's the other pub beside Kelly's in Belfast? Madden's. Madden's, and yeah. I, I was standing outside having a smoke, and we were talking shite, and I think you were in, you were doing good vibrations at the time we were talking shit or whatever, and I must have kept mm. just standing there for a good half an hour, like, your friends, whoever inside, would have been like, where the fuck's this man, how does he fucking death just, what's going on here, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, that, fuck, it's, it's strange, isn't it, like, I always feel like good vibrations wasn't that long ago, but, I think when you, it's like when you just see someone uh, who you know and you haven't seen them for a while. If you haven't seen them before lockdown, you can assume it's been three years, yeah. probably. Yeah, yeah. And Cut Vibrations is, yeah, it's the guts of three or four now. Um, that was the best time in Belfast. That was unreal. Well, look, be- before we get into Good Vibrations, like you are a man with many strings, Lisboa. I've got to ask, like, the bug for like just performing in general, like, where mm. did that come from? Like, you, you know, um, like was it was it was it play was you know you were in a play first or you were just singing for like your family in the gaff or or what was the crack? Well, I I like I always remember uh, singing and and uh, singing was kind of the first thing. Um, I never dif- differentiated between like music and acting and stuff. It yeah. Always seemed to be the same stuff. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom said I was always I was always singing before I could even talk. Like she'd say I'd be in the cot and she'd be like making the 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 tune to Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, pitch perfect or anything, but with no words and all yeah. that. Um, and then and I don't ever remember it being like a question about where I was going to be going after school and stuff. It was never. <laughs> I don't remember even it feeling like a big deal that I was like to you know how some people have that story of I was leaving school and my dad wanted me to do this because it was a trade or uh, like I don't I didn't have that I mm. don't think one one I think 
one thing that really helped me with my career is that I'm not good at anything else. Really. <laughs> like, so I was never good at school. I just about got by, but the, you know, my, it's it, one, one thing that's good about being a musician or an actor when it's such a difficult career is that I would be skint and struggling to trying to do anything else because mm. I wouldn't be, wouldn't be up to it. You know Your heart I mean? wouldn't be in it. Do you know what I mean? My heart wouldn't be in a bite. I mean, that, that's it's a it's a bit of a chicken and the egg thing with that. I'm like, is am I not good at admin and all that sort of stuff because I don't care about it? Or if 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 it was the only thing I had in front of me, would I be good at it? I don't I don't know. I yeah. kind of think, uh, you know, I think Ricky Gervais said it in extras once. Yeah, he did. He was this great speech where, um, when he's in the Big Brother house in the special, and he's like, he's like. I could have been a doctor. Nah, too hard. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was, it was taking the romance out of the people who were saying like, I want to be an artist because it's what I have to do. Mm. And just saying, no, you're lazy and you want a really great <laughs> fun life. I, I ne- I've never been able to work out which one. All I know is that it never occurred to me to do anything else. Okay. Um, yeah. Fair play. And tell, tell me this then, if like, can you remember back to, Maybe when you first like performed on stage, and then that could be like that could be anything, whether it be singing or acting or or directing or whatever it was. But you know, was that in was that in school or what was the crack like? Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember. I went. I went to uh, when I was in secondary school. I was at one school for like the first three weeks, and it was the wrong side of the city, and it was just becoming a pain in the arse. So, um, within the three weeks, I moved to a different one. Uh-huh. And I remember very quickly, like coming home to me mom and dad and being like, "Oh, they're doing um, a school show of Oliver," and uh, and I've got the part of Oliver. And my mom was like, "You what?" And I just auditioned Please, for it, sir, and it felt can like I have some more. Yeah, exactly. And I fucking loved it. It was it was like the perfect. It it just felt like everything fell into place. And every mm-hmm. now and again, you have those moments where where you feel like you're in the right place at the right time, something you've always watched, which for me, I'd always loved Oliver what, yeah. growing up. I knew I knew the part before I even did it. And I think I was only about 10 or 11. And uh, it all just made sense. Do you know what I mean? It uh-huh. was, And I hadn't properly done that before, but I knew what I was doing. It yeah. was weird. It was almost like, it, it, it felt almost like someone had given me the keys to a car and without having a lesson, <laughs> I kind of knew how to drive. You're like, woo, um, let's go. Yeah, the theory wasn't up to scratch necessarily, but, you know, <laughs> it was, do you know what I mean? But it was there. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And and like we, we mentioned earlier about good vibrations, and um, for anyone who's not listening, or sorry, not, uh, or unfamiliar um, with good vibrations, it was, I think, the 40th anniversary, it was the story of, like, the very influential um, music promoter, producer, legendary founder of record label, um, undisputed, I suppose, godfather of Belfast Punk, um, Terry Hooley, who I had the pleasure of actually meeting an interview in a number of years ago as well, actually. I mean, how did it feel to be part of that? Do you know, that's that's very, it's it's, it's very at the heart of, like, Belfast, do you know what I mean? And, like, yeah. you know, he, he's no one, you know, in, in music circles, like, all over. So, like, how did it feel to, to be part of that and to, even to pay tribute, I suppose? It, I mean, Good Vibrations is, is is mad, really, because, you know, in some senses, it's it's a big moment for everyone who was in Belfast at the time. Yeah. People remember when Good Vibrations was on. Um, for me, it was absolutely life-changing, um, the whole thing, uh, t- for many reasons. Um, I just had a, 
a, a really, really bad breakup in London. And um, and when when we were together, I'd kind of said that I wasn't going to go to Belfast to do Good Vibrations. I was having right. that loser mode boyfriend thing yeah, where I like- was willing to give up an acting job to stay in London for this relationship that I should have really looked at and gone, that's going to end soon. <laughs> and... <laughs> And just in the nick of time, it ended and I was able to say, actually, I will go. It was a kind of, you know, sometimes your your, your instincts take over mm. and and I could have sat and wallowed and worried, but but it like it was like the relationship ended and I rang the agent and I was like, is the Belfast offer still open? And she went, yeah. And, and to be honest, I didn't care what it was. I just needed to get out of London. Yeah, yeah. And then if I'd known what I was going to, get from good vibrations it would be insane i turned up surrounded by the best people people are still close friends and and uh and obviously it was such a huge thing meeting terry was remarkable yeah. i think i even started to dress like him for a bit and I, think still, still, <laughs> I can understand that i can understand that. You know, yeah it was <laughs> it was mad like like the drummer in good vibrations connor was a, had never acted before, but he he was brought in to be a drummer, and then they, of course needed him to do some lines. Now he drums for me and my band. Um, I was acting for ages and still doing singer songwriter stuff, but never I hadn't really released or recorded it. Uh-huh. And I remember by the end of Good Vibrations being like, right, well if I don't record music here, then I'm never going to. So I stayed on in Belfast after it finished for another week and recorded all I need actually. So all I need was recorded in the half-bap studios in the cathedral quarter four years ago Holy um, and yeah uh with george sloan and it just felt like it was great to be in a something that was so it was a mixture between belfast and the fuck off attitude of belfast which i love yeah it was the punk thing and all that and learning about it and being in that it was about a very boozy cast and mm. i say boozy in the sense i think i me and connor were probably the booziest of the lot but it <laughs> Like, I kind of wish I'd been a bit more sober for the whole thing, but I kind of needed to go out there and do the show and get pissed and have a... Yeah. It was a holiday of of, of joy and fun and, and work. And um, You needed that release. Yeah. I, I, I can gather, I suppose, like after the breakup and all that sort of, you know, your, your head's probably was in like a different uh, fucking, like a, a fucked up mindset. And you just maybe needed that release of just throwing yourself into work, I suppose. Absolutely. And also and also as well, like it, 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 I think the one of the most therapeutic things about doing it was the fact that, you know, I I tied my colours to the mast of London and was like, I don't know if I want to be here anymore yeah. in London. And but where do I go? And then it was like being in Belfast. I was like, I could live here. I could do this. I was ready to move. And yeah. I didn't in the end. But it, I think it did a lot for me to know that it's there. Yeah. Um, and whereas before I was like, well, if I needed to get out of London, where would I go that wouldn't make me miserable? And Belfast is the answer. Um, I've, I, Belfast is my home in, in ways that, that, that I didn't imagine. And when I arrive in Belfast, I feel more at home than, than nearly anywhere uh, else other than London or Dundalk, I think, or yeah. Leicester. But yeah, um, but the show was brilliant. Terry was awesome. It, it was just, and Des, who directed it, just did such an incredible job on it. It was the first time I kind of understood what a director does. And what I mean by that is when I would see, sometimes I'd go and watch plays and someone would come out of the play, a really good play, and after watching it and gone, 
God, I thought the direction was really good. And I remember thinking, how do you know? You weren't in the rehearsals. Like, how do, you, do you know what I mean? It was the first time I was like, oh, I, can, I understand why people can watch a show and think the direction was good. I think I was quite naive, you know. Um, but no, I, I could, will never, never underestimate um, how important Good Vibrations was. Mm. And it always will be. It'll always be a moment, you know. You were yeah. also in a play um, called, now please correct me if I'm wrong, Chasing Bono, which was in Soho. Yeah. Zoe Theatre um, and from what I can from reading around it I believe that it was like a sort of a exaggerated retelling of like uh, a classmate of Bono's who was also a musician and you played yeah. um, was it was it Neil the cla- the Neil, N- Neil McCormick mm. which which is quite a, a funny I mean Niall McNamee playing Neil McCormick <laughs> <laughs> that, that's I mean you see even that's linked to good vibrations because mm. I auditioned for Chase and Bono um, uh, whilst I was in Good Vibrations. I remember finishing the show one night and having to get a, a coach down to Dublin to audition first thing in the morning the next day and then get back to Belfast for the show that night. And I genuinely believe, had it not been for the the fire that Good Vibrations have put in my belly, I wouldn't have got Jason Bono. Yeah. Um, but it all kind of came together. And then, you know, it was a kind of thing of, right, I'm... Now Belfast is finished and I've recorded. I'm returning back to London and I've got a play in the West End and I'm the lead in it. And it felt like that was all, it was all linked up. Um, and Chase Zaman was, was equally, equally kind of changed my life in, um, in some ways. Um, Chase Zaman was based on a film called Killing Bono, um, which, which uh, was out a few years ago. Mm. And yeah, it's an ex- exaggerated uh, retelling of Neil McCormick, who who is now a music journalist, but was basically in the same school as Bono, <laughs> and they set up bands at the same time, and it's about him kind of not not being sure about what the, uh, he's calling himself Bono now, and the band have turned into U two, yeah. and kind of laughing at the idea that they're not going to do anything, and then slowly just watching Bono become Bono, U two becoming U two, and. Yeah. And their life crossing over, and um, yeah, it was it was class. I mean, yeah. Can I ask you a question? And I'm 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 going off my I'm going veering off my own script here, but just as we're chatting, um, or even own questions I have in front of me, do you believe in fate? Do you believe that like things happen for a reason? Do you know, because just chatting and listening to you, like maybe it was just right place, right time. Maybe it was you mm. know just just luck the way things. But things did seem to just really nicely click for you um, during that period in your life. Like, do you believe in like, you know, um, you know, you know, uh, what's what, what do people say? People say, um, I know what you're talking what's about. What's for you like, won't go um, by you and all this sort of thing. I, I'm not a believer <laughs> in it, to be brutally honest, but I'm just wondering. Are you? I don't know. I think I think it's it's easy in those moments where it's clicking to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this yeah. makes sense. But then. It's the difficult thing about being an actor or being in the arts is that is that you can, there are moments where you can be really down about something that hasn't gone your way, and then you get mm. something else. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I think sometimes I, I I think you do have control over where you're going. Yeah. Um. By by what you manifest, but I don't. I don't think you have control over what you manifest. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Like I yeah. think I think I think if you're you, you can spend as much time as you want going, right, I want to be this, I want to be this, I want to be this. Mm. But I think, you know, in the back of your head, like, for, 
listen, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really fucking know. To be honest, <laughs> if you if you didn't, the difficult thing about that is if you interviewed me a week ago, or mm. if you interviewed me in a week, I think I'll I'll have, always have a different take on it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but I do remember, and like, you know, if things were all going as well as as well as it could go, um, I remember after Jason Bono thinking right what's next because i was thinking right this is it this is now it's working i can't remember what it is that's making this work but this this is working now and i'm going from job to job and and i've just got a girlfriend and 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 i'm in love and this is fucking amazing and then i remember the the next thing happened which was unbelievable which was suddenly i got cast for (laughs) i got an audition through for an unspecific it was an what was the word they didn't want to say the name of it because it was under wraps um (laughs) unidentified or whatever irish musical on the west end and i was like that seems to make sense just in good vibrations just in chase and bono but i so they said you need to prepare a couple of songs and go in and then you'll read the script in there and i remember saying to my agent um i was like listen can i know it's undisclosed is what they said yeah um but but I, I'm trying to pick the song. Have you got any more information about what mm. roughly it is, like what type of musical it is? And my agent really nonchalantly just went, "Oh, it's um, oh no, it's uh, yeah, okay, we can tell you. It's 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 the audition for the West End musical of Father Ted." And I was like, <laughs> "Well, it's a good job you told me that because <laughs> that's insane." Yeah. And um, and sure enough, like I got cast as Dougal, and. Uh, <laughs> And I was absolutely fucking delighted because I think I was always, I was always, whoa, fantastic, you know, like yeah, that, yeah. that, that, it, that, that, that made sense to me. And then obviously, it's, I don't think it's happening now because of all the stuff with Glenner and Graham Linhan and yeah, all that. Yeah. So for for the moment, it felt like that's where it was leading to. Yeah. And obvious, of course, it started with Oliver and it's ending with Father Ted, of course. <laughs> And then something that my control means it's probably not going to happen there. So it's 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 hard, but yeah, you know, yeah. Anyway, I don't know what it's on about really. No, no, it is, no, it is. I guess yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. I want to um before we start to go into like um writing and films and music because again, there's a lot to get through here because I said you have a lot. Oh, you have you're, you're many things here, but I want to ask you about um you're in the Ma- uh, Miami Show Band story. Um, and again, mm. for anybody who doesn't know, um, the Miami Show Band were murdered by loyalist paramilitaries in '75. Uh, you played Fran O'Toole. I mean, yeah. one of the young men who was killed. Like, how how does that you know? Like, how how does that compute? Or how do you like even put yourself into the mindset of something that was so raw that happened in the north in Northern Ireland, whatever? Um, that like you know, because I I would still believe we're still living in a troubled hangover, um, with with things like that that are still you know still raw to a lot of people. How how, how did it feel okay. to play to play that character? Is <laughs> I'd already kind of um, actually played Fran O'Toole for for a scene in Good Vibrations as well. So it kind of it's funny, like it's right. strange. And and I knew about the Miami, Miami Show Band, um, and you know, but I hadn't. I suppose I hadn't known about the individuals. It was just the Miami Show Band who got mm-hmm. killed, and and then I got to know about Fran O'Toole, and um, it's. Uh, it's very upsetting like I got to meet some of his family and some of his family are very young who've never met him and they're like offspring but it's obviously very massive to them I think that 
I think my my frustration with Miami show band was 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 that we you know you can tour it in Ireland as, as much as you want and mm. and you know some people come and know about it and some people don't and um it felt like we were kind of preaching to the choir a little bit right um it was important to to get their legacy out there and mm. it was important to give them that thing I think the thing about playing Fran O'Doul was was that it's a bit like we've, I've just finished the Reavy Brothers thing, mm. and and mm. and that was amazing. But it's it's weird playing someone who is innocently murdered because essentially your job is to play someone whose life is normal, yeah. or life is great, and then they die. Yeah, it's the survivors who have the hard work in portraying that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the tragedy. You know, if you're if you're playing someone who who is alive and they look miserable or not great or not happy, then you don't care that they've died as much. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Miami show about life, it, it really upsets me. And I do feel, mm. um, without being too dramatic with it, I do feel linked with, with yeah. Fran O'Toole now. It's been a couple of shows of it and I've met his family and I've met other members of the band and, um, mm. and the songs weren't played. His songs weren't played by as covers or anything until until we did the shows mm-hmm. and then you know it felt like there was some ownership over that so yeah he's a very talented musician for too you know yeah it was and, and no doubt i think he was going to be massive that was one of the things that i looked into looking at his life talking to people who knew him and it really felt like he was about to to fly you know mm-hmm. he was about to be in the in the ranks with elton john and all that sort of stuff you know yeah um and he never got to do that. It's very sad. It is. It's a shame. Um, you, you mentioned the with the Reavy brothers as well. Um, mm. and like, you know, <clears throat> again, for anybody doesn't know, killed in the seventies. It's a very important, and it's you know, it's it's a personal story. Um, I'm right in saying that. Um, you were in that as well. And how did that feel? Do you know, <coughs> that was a um, slightly closer to to home, I suppose, because. I mean, uh, my family are from Armagh and, and you know, I would have had my dad and me, my auntie who was at school, at the same school as the Reavy brothers. And mm. it felt very much like a home piece. In fact, I was so impressed with John Reavy and the lads who worked on it because they're only, they're only about 21, 22. And to be honest, when I agreed to do it, I remember meeting him in a pub and going, look, I'll, uh, I'll help this young lad out with this yeah. film because it's important. It's an important story and I want to help. And I got there and I was like, this is the budget on this and the organisation <laughs> is, is yeah. higher than some of the things I've been on before. I really wanted to help them out. And it turned mm. out that actually they didn't need my help at all. I was just happy to be there because I wanted to be part of it, you know. Mm. Uh, I got a, an Irish agent in 2015, I think it was, because... I said to my English agent that I felt like there was going to be loads of things in Ireland about 1916, uh, 100 years since and all that. And I felt like I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to look back and felt, feel like I was one of the actors that <coughs> that did that. So mm. I was glad to be doing the Ravy Brothers. But it was very, their family are absolutely remarkable. The loveliest, kindest, happiest, funniest people. And they've got this tragedy. They will, sorry, excuse me, undoubtedly follow them around forever i don't know yeah. how they i don't know how they get up in the morning do you know yeah. what i mean mm. you know when you think about the little 
problems that force you to want to stay in bed and you think they've got something that happened so long ago and it's going to be there every morning the first thing you think about yeah it's 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 that what i mentioned earlier that troubles hangover that lingering that's that's you know doesn't seem to ever go away you know i think that 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 stuff the troubles hangover stuff i think as you get older you it feels you realize it more i think yeah. i think you go through a stage when you're younger where perhaps you don't know if you feel it or not hmm. and then i think you go through a stage when you're becoming a young adult where i think you insist that you feel it because you yeah. oh, you romanticize it you do of course yeah uh, and then i think you get a little bit older and start to go well maybe actually maybe actually i was born after all of this and there is and maybe i over romanticized it before you never admit it but you're probably like yeah. actually do, do i have anything to be dramatic about like what how bad has my life been yeah and then you get to a stage where you're like okay i realized that actually this honestly has had an impact in inside me from my family before it and um of course it does how you know of course it gets passed on do you know what i mean where th- things um, are, are still very raw do you know for, they for, are but i i don't know about you like it, it's a touchy subject because i don't ever want to feel like i'm treading on the toes of people who've physically been in a war situation do you know what i mean oh, definitely like, not you know you've you've worked with some big names as well. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, you were in The Foreigner. You were caught between Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, like, how the fuck did that go? I mean, I, I sort of have this, like, oh, okay, well, I know Pierce Brosnan is, is Irish or is Irish roots, whatever. But I can just sort of imagine hmm. that, 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 that sort of threesome. You know what I mean? Of the three of you sitting there talking shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, my God. It was so funny. Like, looking back on it, fuck. Like, I was working on the building site uh before that that was my f- first i think yeah other than one walk on part in tv fighting jackie chan on behalf of the ira was the <laughs> first was the first time i was on screen oh, and fuck. i remember i remember like going to the audition and and it was in one of these and it happens a lot one of these undisclosed things you don't really know what it is yeah yeah and um I remember like going to the audition and and I was it was probably the end of the day around like five o'clock and I was just at a point where I was like right if I can get a job in anything I don't care what it is I just need to really go for this yeah I'll do I it, think you get you to know? a point you get to a point in acting where you're like right I'll learn me lines and I know that so much of it is out of my control so I can't <laughs> put too much heart into this but I remember at the time really going for it and I turned up to the audition and uh, it was the end of the day and I, I didn't know anything about the Jackie Chan stuff or, or Pierce Brosnan and, and I remember coming into the room and the casting director was like hiya sorry we're running really late um, and because uh, I've been waiting about half an hour longer than I should have been and they were like and some of us need to go and collect our kids from school and whatever so if, if it's not too much trouble and you won't be too offended um, we're going to be packing up whilst you're doing the audition but we're going to film it <laughs> and I'm being like, what is the fucking point? Yeah, yeah. What's in, going on in here? This? Like, well, like, no, but I just remember I didn't know what it was. It wasn't like I was like, this is my big chance. I was like, I've learned these lines. What's the fucking point of me turning up? I just did the one page audition and it was okay. Mm. Like it was no better than any other audition. And I was actually waiting on a a big TV role that I really, really wanted. Um and I had totally forgot this audition I did. And my agent rang me up and I was like, yeah, yeah did, did, we, did we get that? And she was like, um, oh, I don't know about that. But you've got offered the other role. 
And I was like, what, the one from yesterday? I was like, they hardly even watched me. And they were, she was like, yeah, but wait this. And she just, on the phone, my agent read out the script of me fighting Jackie Chan. <laughs> I swear to God, it took me a week to convince anyone that that was happening. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. It, it takes me ages to convince. If it ever comes up, and it's not like I walk around going, by the way, like at the end of the gig, when no one's listening to me and going, <laughs> I, thought I fought Jackie Chan. <laughs> Do you know, it makes no sense. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're the guy who fought Jackie Chan on behalf of the IRA. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No. We <laughs> um, and then the whole thing was just mental. I, I got to zero in my bank account the day I got collected in a car and had to say goodbye to the building sites and all that. Yeah. And then suddenly it's this big payday for going into the gym for three weeks with his stunt team. Do you know Jackie Chan has two stunt teams in the UK? In the UK, right? <laughs> As you do. That's mental, isn't it? Why not? Yeah. Like, you'd be like, <laughs> he doesn't need a full-time stunt team in the UK at all, let alone <laughs> two. And they were such perfectionists and then you got and you know what's really weird about it as well? Yeah. <laughs> Outside of Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan and stuff, I don't know. It's still a mystery to me, but the other lads who were like in my gang, as it were, yeah. none of us really knew what we were doing there either. <laughs> <laughs> Normally you can look around the cast and go, oh yeah, well, he was in he was in that. So that's obviously that's going to boost up the numbers or or he's just done that and he's big. Like we, <laughs> one lad, he was like doing deliveries. <laughs> he was like kind of doing plays in Dublin but no one was flying and then suddenly yeah. we were all it felt very like four lads were going what the fuck are we doing here why is this happening Shane <laughs> on we're in we're in lads fuck it we'll do <laughs> it's mental and then and then actually there was a thing where we were doing the fight and it was all very kung fu yeah. and even though we felt grateful to be there it got to a point where we were like hang on this is a bit daft this like why are four lads from Belfast doing kung fu like, where's that coming from <laughs> makes more sense now because of all the ufc stuff but of course years ago you'd be like <laughs> i mean it's a bit mad yeah. it's a mad enough old story i'll give you that like <laughs> yeah it's, it's mad yeah not, not everybody can say that they have um, fought against shaggy chan but i want to no. ask you and i also i also remember um turning up on the first day i had to go, go down to the studios mm. just to get like fake tattoos tested on me and all this sort of stuff in <laughs> character desperately trying to get some sort of dumb dog or something on there and yeah. they wouldn't allow it and um and and i was sat in the chair kind of getting to know the makeup girls and whatever and then this man with a big gray beard and hair looking like jerry adams sat down <laughs> and it was pierce brosnan he looked nothing like 007 and yeah. i remember then the director martin campbell who directed directed two bond films he did pierce brosnan's last one and daniel craig's first one right Walking in and going, no, 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 Pierce. We said we're not going down the Jerry Adams route. We can't get away with it. And Pierce Brosnan going, well, I want to do it, so we're doing it. Yeah, that's <laughs> the way it is. So he's not playing Jerry Adams, but essentially it's the uh, yeah. it's the foreigner, the IRA film with Jackie Chan, where Pierce Brosnan essentially is Jerry Adams. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, um, I could ask you a few more questions about more film projects and all sorts of things, but I want to ask you about your music. Um. Mm. How did you start writing music? Like, I mean, um, I know that you um, have written uh, a play as well, Shootout, if I'm correct in saying. Mm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously writing comes naturally to you. Uh, what, about, what about music? Like, where does like where does that come from? I think um, I, I kind of, for whatever reason, I don't know how it manifested itself, but maybe, maybe it's a thing of not being a good learner. But mm. I always found that, I taught myself guitar and piano 
And yeah. my first instinct wasn't necessarily to learn songs by other people. I felt like as soon as I got the hang of playing piano and guitar, it was about writing. I don't know why that is. Like I'm, I, I'm kind of grateful to my younger self teach to teach myself guitar and piano because it's a thing that I couldn't do now. You know, yeah, you yeah. think of all the stuff you want to do. I want to learn Irish for fuck's sake. And I think had I wanted to do that when I was 15, I'd probably know it by now. Yeah, but now it's yeah. hard. So um, you'd probably be a fluent Gilgore by this stage. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I don't know why that is. I, I think I, I think it was a good outlet to 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 talk about things going on in in life and. Uh, what what I loved about it was it it, it was it, it was always a thing where I felt at home writing music and mm. performing it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I I go in and out of being good socially, um, in like social situations and stuff. Mm. But where I feel at home is on stage. I feel mm. like I can, without being too much of a wanker about it. Like I f- feel like like um, it's it's where I'm most honest. Yeah. Um. And and. And I have very little, again, without sounding too much of a wanker about it, if I'm being honest, I have very, very little control over what the lyrics are in a song or or how a song goes. I don't go into it thinking, right, I'm going to make this song sound really Irish or make this song sound really modern. It's kind of always been just, there's a tune in there somewhere and it comes out quite naturally. It's the most honest thing I do. I think it's so easy in, in the world to like try and... Um, you know, when you're putting on your clothes in the morning thinking, right, I'm going to wear white socks with black trousers because that yeah. looks cool and whatever. <laughs> but I don't have the ability to be cool or uncool with music. It just is what it is. And, uh, and and uh, yeah, I, I, like, it's, yeah, it's the most honest thing I can do. It kind of flows out of me. And once it's on a piece of paper, I'm happy to, to divulge it and the yeah, stuff yeah. that I realise about myself that, you know, yeah, it's very strange. Well, I want to I ask you about your EP. Step by mm. step, um, you know the title track is you know probably my favorite on it. It's like a po- very poignant guitar picking, sorrowful violin. Step by step. Yeah, yeah, it's it's mm. it's 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 moving. It's 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 definitely like where did where was this song birthed from, or where mm. where did that sort of you know? This is this is a great thing about about songwriting for me is that it, it is a diary. Like mm. I remember so I remember all the details about every song I've written. Yeah. Because I remember where I was in a row. I remember what happened. Uh, it was, um, I had a, a romance with a girl when I went on holiday when I was 18 to Zanti. And we we all had like a holiday three... romance. <laughs> oh, yeah. But like, it was one of these ones where I was out with the, the lads and all that. And and looking back, like, it was, a uh, you know, them going to clubs and putting on all this face paint and they were all doing drugs and whatever I think and 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 I kind of that wasn't about that I've always been a bit of an old man wanting to sit in a pub and have a pint you yeah, know yeah and I I remember on the first night just she showed an interest in me I think it's because I was Irish and I'd never really had that before do you know when <laughs> you know when you go abroad and you realize your currency as a young man <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was go, like Whoop. this is amazing yeah I wasn't like I wasn't that guy at school at all um, and and I just like stupidly and naively just fell head over heels for this girl that showed mm. me interest you know she I think she was asking me to do like um, the voice of the Irish fella in Harry Potter you know? <laughs> dad's a muggle mum's a witch bit of a nasty shop and you know, all that sort of stuff <laughs> anyway I, I, I digress but but we we for years when I was in London we kind of had an on and off thing where 
we'd be chatting or, you know, she was up at uni in Edinburgh and step by step, I'd written a few songs about when I've been up in Scotland for football and rugby and stuff. And mm. step by step, I think I went up to, why did I go up? I think my friend, my friend was doing a play up at Edinburgh Festival. And I remember kind of being there and with a few of my pals and, and she showed up and step by step was literally about this moment where we bumped into each other and then had this incredible night and all my dreams kind of come true. And it was felt like the, the end of the story. And we went up to this hill in Edinburgh and there are loads of steps and that's where step by step came from. And, and, um, you know, it was, it was just stupidly romantic and it's lovely really. I mean, it's naive now looking back and it's so like daft and it was over nothing really, but it mattered to me. So, um, I remember writing about it on the train coming back and kind of, I remember mate, my mates not being too fussed about it originally. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was quite, it was quite, weirdly, it was quite a modern sounding song, you know, with that, that guitar riff and stuff. Mm. They were like, oh, it sounds a bit John Mayerish or something, and you're more Christy Moore. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then it just became, yeah. And it's hard. It's the same with All I Need in a way. And All I Need was, was, is an anti war song, but mm. it's still the, the chorus of it is still the train line from London to Edinburgh. Do you know what I mean? It was that was a it was she I need to thank her for those songs really. Um but um <laughs> what about all I need? Like like what's what's it like talk to me. Like again, is it on the same as you say that train line, you know, that the, the, the traveling thing, that sort of the, that longingness for you know seeing somebody that you like you, you don't yeah. you you can't not be around. Well, all I need is a really weird, weird mix. Like um it's it's funny how songs come about. Like I I was I just loved the song Willie McBride, um, you know, um, which is the, the greatest anti-war song ever. And I think I was doing I was doing a TV show called Our World War about World War One, and um, so I was thinking about that, and I kind of had this story in my head about. I'd also had this thing where I was listening to songs where. I guess it was the first time I came to the end of a point where I was like, I don't know if I can just write about myself mm. anymore. Like I need to find another outlet and I'd listen to stupid, like it's nothing, nothing modern, but listen to like Piano Man by Billy Joel. And yeah. that's kind of like fictional songs, you know, about, uh-huh. you know, John at the bar is a friend of mine, gets me my drinks for free. and he's t- So the, that was a big thing about, all I need is, is essentially the, the choruses are all co- are inspired by Piano Man by Billy Joel. Because okay. it's always about someone else. John ships out next week. Pete's not well at all. She says we'll be just fine. It's that thing. It's about the people in your life. And then when it came to the chorus, it was like, right, well, if I was going to war now, who would my sweetheart be? Mm. Who would I be longing to get back to? And yeah. at the time, it was this girl up in Edinburgh. So it kind of manifested itself like that. But it was hard with all in Eden step by step because they were two songs that the, and still are like if uh, my gigs they're like the main ones and I felt really worried about releasing them it's why it took me it's why it took me so long to release all I need so you done a duet with your partner Melda May yes beautiful beautiful song don't let me stand on my own how does it feel to share a song like that with somebody that's so close to you um taken away from the fact of like one of Ireland's greats do you know what I mean take away from the fact of like you know her as a fantastic artist in her own right but even just to share that with somebody so close to you like how, how does that feel yeah. that's a really good question actually because it's kind of it's a it's a really beautiful thing i love mm. that we have that song together and it it is a kind of um 
what what is what is it what is it they call it, 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 it it's in some ways a manifesto for our relationship you know yeah um it's it's very honest the, the words always feel poignant and it always feels like a moment when we play it i i can't envisage a time where that song won't be important to us mm. you know because you write some songs and then people like it and then you go all right we have to play that one because they'll yeah because that's what the crowd like, likes or or yeah. <clears throat> no it's 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 a really remarkable thing i kind of go in and out of being nostalgic and and uh and and i wonder sometimes how honest i am with 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 feeling um the romance of of songs and, and all that sort of stuff but mm. don't let me stand on my own as that is what it is. I kind of don't think I believed it was going to <clears throat> be more important to me personally than it was professionally, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Um, I knew the song was good and I was thinking about it like that. But, you know, when it means stuff to people, it's now sometimes it's people's first dance at their wedding and all that sort of stuff. And <clears throat> it's a it's 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 a lovely thing that we that we have together. Yeah. And it's a shared thing that that nobody else can take away and nobody else can probably understand um either you know mm-hmm. yeah I, no absolutely we had to be i mean we we wrote that quite early on in our relationship mm. i mean really early on i don't yeah. think we've gone that even close to a year when it when we did it that was quite scary because <clears throat> you know you don't have to be a clever to think this could get messy yeah. writing a song with your partner yeah um and uh and you know, it became what it became because because we had to go through it to write it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, no, it's a, you know, I, I, it's hard to put into words, really. But mm. I just that song means a lot to me, and I'm so proud of it, and so proud of us that we we have that because um, <laughs> I suppose I just didn't want, I really didn't want to be the uh, Jordan to her Peter Andre. <laughs> so <laughs> so the fact that people like it and that. It, it means a lot to people is is amazing, you know. Yeah. No, um, it's a tune without a shadow of a doubt. Well, look before. And also as well, also as well, I was going to say um, well, that um, that there's that I've realised that there's no reason uh, necessarily that because we're in love and we have a good relationship that our voices would go together well. It just yeah. so happens that they that do, good. you know. And yeah, yeah. um, and I love that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. says you. It, it was lucky that it worked out. <clears throat> Pardon me. Oh yeah. 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 Well, you know, there's a lot, a lot of risks in there if it doesn't. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. bef- before I like ask you a few um, sort of a uh, bit of crack, silly, quick fire questions, uh, I just want to ask you, like, OK, we're, we're now I'm not saying COVID's over, but we're pretty much on the other side of it. Um, mm. You're somebody who like performs and like that does that as a living and just comes naturally. And that's where, you know, you feel most comfortable. How did you how did you get on over over lockdown? Um. <sighs> I, I don't it's, it's a strange one I, I always find it easier to to look back mm. and and see how things were I think in the moment there was there was a long time in lockdown where I was really grateful for it because as long as everyone was doing nothing I felt really happy to do yeah. nothing yeah I, I'm finding it harder now we're back to be honest okay um in some ways because you know it feels like we're back to normal and we haven't learned much from it. I don't think like I would, I would love to say that I'd found myself in lockdown, but, (laughs) but, but I didn't. What one thing I knew from it was that, you know, I look back on lockdown very fondly. I really do. Mm. It was, 
it seems there's not many memories of it being cold or wet in lockdown. I don't know about you. True, very it sunny, nice like weather. It feels like a long summer. Do you know mm. what I mean? And um, and whilst there were financial difficulties and stuff, it felt like it really felt like none of that mattered. It was kind of that. It, it, it was that weird thing where it kind of made. I think it makes you realise what what what's important. Um, the what I'm sure there was moments in lockdown yeah. where I was like, but I think looking back and grieving over two years that were essentially indoors and and lost is more sad than being in the middle of it. Do you know what I mean? Because whilst you're in the middle of it, you can always have the hope that by the end of it, it's going to be amazing. Mm. But now we're through it. And I and I, I can't see us going to, into another lockdown. No. Um, now it's like, right, well, back to it then. Yeah. And you're two years older, mate. So <laughs> go for it. You know what Get I mean? stuck like, in sort of thing. Yeah, there's there's no there's no excuses. There's no there's nowhere to hide. You're just back up and running, and that's that's you know that's terrifying. But listen, that sounds quite gloomy. No, no, I, I get I, it. I, I appreciate lockdown. I I don't think I would have had the time to make a music video for every song yeah. and record and do all that without lockdown. It was a time where I was like, right, I literally can't can't do anything else so what i'm going to do i'm going to record and make music videos and then and then luckily enough acting was quite big during lockdown for me i did a film um called love without walls yeah which which is uh, um, about a failing singer songwriter and uh, <laughs> the uh, and the soundtrack of the movie is all of my songs i was going to say you, yeah you you wrote the you wrote the music as well and the score for it yeah yeah and and so that 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 was amazing and that came in the loveliest way from playing a gig in a pub in that little gap where things opened up for a bit and a director has kind of come up to me and saying you'd be perfect to play this failing singer somewhere <laughs> like, thanks thanks, thanks, dude. <laughs> thanks let's do it pay me cool yeah <laughs> money money um, money yeah so you know it's one of those moments where you can always look at it and go i fucking hate this time by the way this mm. bit which is like when I was filming it, it was amazing and I loved every moment of it. And now it's like, gonna, I don't know when it's going to come out or anything like that. Yeah. So it's like, I finished, right? Let, I, can't, I felt really good about that. And you're like, by the time it comes out, you're going to be a different person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, you know, <laughs> you've moved, you know, things have changed and your different perspective on things. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if I answered that very clearly. No, you I'm, did, I'm, you I'm, did, I'm, you did. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, a few, few quick fire questions before um, I let you go when you tell us uh, or tell me all the great things that are coming up. But um, so the first question is, if you were a drink, alcohol or otherwise, what would you be? Now, if Sean was here, he would say that I'm a pint of Guinness. Why? Because I'm an acquired taste and people pretend to like me. <laughs> so if you were any drink it can be anything at all people have said milk rabina people have said different cocktails people have said a... oh so it doesn't have to be an alcoholic no drink, no it like... can be absolutely anything in the world it's hard because i only drink guinness mm. now like it's the like i don't fancy beers anymore how's the guinness maybe... in england it's all right i think i think um like i never i I very rarely sit in England and think, oh, this pint of Guinness is shite. Yeah. It's when I go to Ireland, I'm like, oh, all those pints of Guinness were shite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a connoisseur. If if it's re- if it's a really out of order Guinness, yeah. I'll send it back. But yeah. I'm not going to, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, so the, it, it kind of occurs to me to say I should be Guinness because it's the only thing I drink. Mm. Um, I think I'm definitely an alcoholic drink. Um, it's hard for me to say because I don't, 
I, I because I don't drink other drinks, I don't really do spirits or anything. I don't, wouldn't know that. But from from looking at it, I think I'm probably um, a tequila. Okay. The the reason being, and that seems like I should be some like really like exciting <laughs> <Woo>! whatever. <laughs> but I feel like like tequila's it's it's not very predictable, is it? And it's not it's not a good idea. No, <laughs> so, no, no. Um, but if you're having a great time, as far as I understand, it's the thing people go to. It, it, Let's it, have a shot at yeah. Taylor. Um, but if you're having a bad time, then it's the worst, right? <laughs> and I probably think that's that's where I am. It's like if things are all good, then it's all guns at the ready and this is great. And yeah, yeah. if you're not feeling good, then it's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I'm gonna go with tequila. Okay. Um, again, these answers I think will would change week by week. But yeah. right now, it's I'm going to say a drink that I don't drink and haven't, which is tequila. <laughs> tequila. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next question: If you had a superpower, what would it be? What would you do with it? Oh, I think about this a lot. <laughs> I'd definitely be Superman, by the way, because oh, he has okay. all of it. Yeah, yeah. Like no doubt, something like that's boring. And I'm like, it's fucking class. You can yeah. do everything <laughs> if you're Superman. Um, if I could have a superpower, what would it be? Um, Ooh, um, I think oh, there's so many that, that I'd love. Um, flying would be class. Mm. I often think if you could fly at the speed of light like Superman, you'd solve a lot of problems really quickly. Yeah. Like you could live anywhere in the world. No problem. Um, uh, yeah, I think flying would probably actually solve everything. Uh, I, see, when people say flying, though, I always would be feared like flying into birds and shit. And then, like, you know, the big cracking in the face or some shit, you know? <laughs> That's such a weird thing to do. In my head... Um, I'm thinking in of the seagulls head. in Dublin. You ever see them fucking big, massive seagulls in Dublin? <laughs> you want them flying into the same yeah. one of those boys? They just turn around and be like, all the seagulls like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what? There is part of me that would love the superpower of 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 only getting a certain amount of drunk. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love it if I could drink the night away, but never get past the feeling of about four. That yeah. would do me well. Um, that's a fucking great superpower, man. That's a fucking. It is like I, I wouldn't <gasps> mind the fact that I would spend more money on pints down in it, but I yeah. love drinking pints more than I love getting drunk. If you know what I mean. I get you. Yeah, I understand. Like, there's an like, art to it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no superpower. I think. I think you're not into football, are you? I'm not, but I mean, like, I my brothers are massive fucking United fans, and I have a lot of mates who are into football. But go on, tell me what's the. The best well, fucking right of, foot I, in the world? Is that what no, it is? No, no, I, I, I kind of like the idea that, like, one thing that I think would be really good would to have super speed. Mm. But in my head, when you have super speed, it's not too fast for you. It means that the world goes into slow motion for you. Yeah, yeah. So you have time to sort stuff out. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you know what I mean? Like, like anyone could be a good footballer if they had super speed because yeah. they just take their time being shit all the way to the goal <laughs> whilst everyone else is like that. So I kind of have that. Anyway, listen, I don't know. Flying. Let's say okay. flying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next question. Right. Your perfect crisp sambo. Now, maybe you don't like crisp sandwiches, but I mean, you know, give us, get, tell me the bread. Do you have butter on it? Do you put other shit into it as well? Do, like, what's the crisps? What's the, you know, the, what's the, the brand flavor? Talk to me. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a crisp sandwich man, I'd say. Um, but it's going to be quite boring. But I think if you're going for a sandwich it would be cheese and onion crisps Shed. yeah i'm not a cheese sandwich man to be honest a crisp sandwich man i, okay. I, I like them. yeah i like my crisps on their own <laughs> on their own on their own with a nice or, quiet paint <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, but it, but but if it was, it would have to be like quite a basic cheese sandwich with okay. cheese and onion crisps in it. I think that would work well. Okay. I couldn't have any spicy crisps in there. No, it wouldn't wouldn't do the job for you. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it'd probably be tail. Date. Uh, you can go on a date with anybody, living or dead. It can be a romantic date or just a dinner definitely date. Definitely living. Definitely living. <laughs> <laughs> you might have propped up. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, definitely don't. Uh, who would it be? It'd be Imelda. <laughs> yeah. that, that, thanks. That's uh, cute. So. No, it would. It would. Um, Imelda. Actually, the dates we go on, I know it sounds wanky or whatever, but I'm very lucky to be in a position where I love going on dates with my girlfriend. And oh. um, I love the time that we have together. I remember like Valentine's Day has just passed and we're uh-huh. not big like, you know, yeah. there's part of us that are like, it's all consumerism and all sorts of yeah, stuff, but yeah, we're not yeah, going to yeah. not do anything. Yeah. And I remember we were having a date. It wasn't Valentine's Day on a Monday this year or something. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember having like, I was all throughout the week. I remember being really glad to be like, I'm really looking forward to go on, on that date. I was looking forward to to just having time one-on-one with her. And um, outside of that, I think it would be just like a mandate with like a, <laughs> a, a, a Richard Dunn who played for Ireland or, or, <laughs> or one of the Leeds players or Marcelo Bielsa, who was the, was the Leeds manager. I'm good, he's gone. But mm. no, in terms of like a date romantically, yeah. It's okay. only one, one girl for me, I think. Well, that, that's, yeah. that's great to hear. It is. It's very, very nice. Um, and sort of final quick fire question. If you had a magic ball in front of you and you could play in any venue uh, in the world and, you know, you could you could you could be headlining it. You could be, I don't know, acting, singing. You could be directing. Uh, you could have it could be a festival. It could be anything. What would it be? Uh, Vicker Street would be class. Mm. I'd love to do Vicker Street. I feel like that's it, in the vision of where I want to be. Vicker Street is a big day. You know, and and it's only because there are bigger venues and there are, you know, places, but there's something about Vicar Street that is where I want to be. There's something that means is important to me. But before that, I would have said Spirit Store in Dundalk, but I, I did that um, and it, it meant the world to me to, to be there. Um, but yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Do you know what? Do you know what? Go on. Actually, what Vicar Street is definitely up there, but like in my heart of hearts of where I'd love to play, the Kaiser Chiefs are big Leeds United fans, right? And right. they do their they do their gigs in Leeds uh-huh. at Ellen Road, which is the Leeds Stadium. Right, that would be massive for me. Oh, yeah. Croker, of course, yeah, Croker okay. Park. I mean, <laughs> fuck's sake, Selling it's so five consumerist. Legs. To say that, I should really want to be like, I just want to play in front of five people who really care. I'm like, nope. <laughs> no, <laughs> I no. want to, I want all of it, but. Um, I think Elland Road, where Leeds play, mm. um, with a fan base of people who support the same football team as me and love my music, would be, be the ultimate dream. Well, look, yeah. b- before I let you go, because I've kept it quite a while, um, you have, t- what, what have you got coming up? Um, I'm releasing England's Motorway, or Come My Little Son, um, uh, which is a, co- a cover of uh, a Ewan McCall song. What else? Yeah, just gigging about. I'm supporting... Um, Kieran Moran in Dublin on uh, the 29th of April. And and then I'm supporting Declan O'Rourke in Belfast on the 1st of May, which I can't wait for. What's lovely as well is Amelda is playing Belfast the same night. Oh, so happy days. Just by chance, we're both playing Belfast the same night. So I think I'm already worried about the hangover for that one. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it's going to be a big night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, any excuse to get to Belfast. Cool. On my tour before Christmas, I booked a day off in the middle of it before I went to Belfast so I could have a night out in Madden's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the Monday session in Madden's. Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's what's coming up for me. 
a massive, massive thank you for coming on. Like I said, I know you're incredibly busy and um, between different things, you know, we, we weren't able to, to sort out dates, but we have. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm very, very uh, thankful for you coming on. So is Sean as well, who unfortunately can't be here today. Um, fuck him. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> Bastard. Fuck him. We'll do it live. <laughs> Doesn't he know who I am? <laughs> uh, but look, Nile back to me. A massive, massive pleasure. And thank you very, very much.